All right. Well, we're here for episode four of the Shuttlecock podcast. I have with me Bennett Weaver, a guitarist and punk rock musician and all-around great guy, Bennett Weaver. Uh, how you doing? Oh, not bad. How are you doing, Aaron? Excellent. Doing good. Uh, so, yeah, you've played in, you know, several bands over the last few years, uh, like the Drippies, Kilky Cat, Columbine Kids, and, you know, you're working on a lot of stuff right now also. Um, but I was curious about how, um, like, some of, like, what some of your first bands were. Yeah. Um, well, the first band I was in was uh, in elementary school. Started it probably, I think, around fifth or sixth grade. And it was called Hat Trick with, with a Q instead of a CK because that made it immensely more cooler. Um with some of my friends, and actually the drummer of that band is still the drummers of one of my bands mm. uh, today, uh, Killicky Cat, more specifically. Mm. And, yeah. And uh, after you played in Hattrick, there's a band called Against the Generation? Yep. Um, that was kind of more like indie rock stuff, and yeah, I was in that band for, I believe, like a couple years and yeah, lots of talented musicians in that band. A lot of people who were in that band are still uh, doing really cool things with music yeah, today. Just taking kind of different routes from you. Yeah, uh, I know Brooks Brown uh, is doing a lot of like DJ stuff and like kind of electronic music, and I know that's going out really well for him. Um, I know Noah Spencer is still pretty deep in the music as well, doing stuff with that. Yeah, but everyone I was in that band with were, were really great musicians. Mm. And so the first band you were in, Hattrick, was kind of like classic rock influence. Yeah, lots, and, lots of classic rock covers. And the second one, Against the Generation, was kind of indie rock type stuff. Yeah. Because I know you guys played a lot of two-door cinema club covers. Yeah, and That was kind of your jam oh, in yeah. middle school. Um, and that's, you know, probably what I think you were listening to a lot of when I met you, like when we could hang out with Jack and... Just all of the, like when when the Shawnee Mission kids met the Olathe, the Olathe kids. The kids and combined. Yeah, and then we ganged up. Um, that was a lot of fun, just kind of meeting everyone, hanging out every weekend, and just sharing a lot of music yeah, that lot, way. Lots of great memories. Mm. And just roaming around the Shawnee Mission South yeah, area and doing weird stuff. Definitely crawling all over the suburbs with that huge group of people that came together. It was mm. really nice. I think it kind of went from like just like goofing around at like the Deemer Elementary School and just like goofing off. And then I think near the end of like high school, it just kind of extended into like doing donuts in the Shawnee Mission South parking lot and blasting rap music. So you can, it's, it's kind of. I enjoyed how that friend group evolved over the years. Yeah, very much. So. <laughs> um, but and and against the generation was a band that played like the Refuge a few times yeah, and right in Olathe too. Yeah. So um, to any like Olathe old heads watching, like shout out if you know, you know the we Refuge. Know who you are the greatest Johnson County venue of all time. <laughs> Amazing Christian folks, just good hearts, just 
decent music sometimes. Good boxers too. Oh yeah, they had like a little, like a yeah, they had the boxing martial arts the room. Back, yeah. yeah. I don't think I ever participated in that, uh, but definitely had to uh, like get around a lot of the people boxing back there because I know like that was kind of like the backstage. Yeah, that was part. the green room. Yeah, it was like it was all padded, and, and sometimes like when bands would stay back there, they'd actually be like having class at the same time. Really, yeah. I was I was never there for that. I think I went back there like once or twice, but yeah, I was usually just hanging out and. Watching my friends' bands, I know that the Almost Heroes played there. Did you like like you guys played a show with them? I I believe so. Yes. Some other incredibly obscure uh, middle school indie rock. Um, man, you got an important call. You're getting here. I'm just gonna turn it off. Okay. Um, didn't want to put you on blast there. I'm sorry. Um, so after middle school, you kind of. You know, we all linked up, and we ended up going to a lot of, uh, like, house shows and DIY punk shows. What were, like, some of your earliest memories of those shows? Oh, I think I can pinpoint it back directly to the the first DIY show I ever went to, which I have to credit you with to, to getting me into going to DIY shows which in the that? first place. Um, the first one was actually a show that the band that we were both in mm-hmm. – Played. It was at, I think it was originally supposed to be at the dollhouse, and then we showed up there, and then no one was there. And then we had to figure, and then we figured out that it had gotten moved, I think. To, oh, yeah. Was it was it Worst House? Maybe. Or? Yeah, so that, that band was Bad Mouth, and who, do, you, do you remember who that show was with? It was, it was with uh, Day Drinker, which was actually Noah Hayes' old band, yeah. and we were in the, yeah, we were into Drippies now. Mm-hmm. And Shapeshifter mm. and Neutron Rats, and I believe they're from Neutron New York. Rats. Okay, that was it. That, I remember that now. And you, you got their record. You were really excited to I get still their have record. It. Yeah, yeah. It's sitting at my house right now. Not, not, not going to let that one go. Oh, anytime. definitely not. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I guess that was, you know, well, you know, all those people, like almost all those people who were in bands at that show are still, you know, making music just in different bands at this point. I know I know Trey for some reason is like embarrassed or like not stoked about having played in Shapeshifter, but that was a tight band. I, I, don't I know. thought they were awesome. And the only like music I've ever been able to really find with them was that I think it was the raw shit demo mm-hmm. where like the recording quality sounds like they were recording it out of like a garbage can. Yeah. And like like it's barely audible. Yeah, I don't know why they like that had some like I I have the MP3s of their first demo that I just put on like YouTube recently. So that that sounds a little better. Like and those are good songs. I don't know. I remember when we when we saw them live, I was blown away though. Mm. Yeah, that that definitely happened with me with like several of like the early bands I saw back in like 2012 and 13 and all that. Oh yeah, definitely. But. The when we were doing Bad Mouth together, I think it was it like thirteen or fourteen. Um, I can't even remember that. Probably fourteen. Hmm. Yeah, I believe it was two thousand fourteen. Okay. Yeah, and I think the only other DIY shows I went to before I moved out of KC for a while was um, they were at the Sandbox. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, those are fun those shows. Are, yeah, R.I.P. Sandbox. R.I.P. But um, you ended up recording 
the the new bad mouth demo that we did together but you you kind of have been doing you know home recordings for like a long time haven't you long time Mm. Since I was, I think, 13, mm. like right after I started middle school, I believe. So you would be doing solo songs outside of like the bands you were doing then? Oh, yeah. Mm. Still am. Yeah. What What were some of the, the songs like back then? Ugh, lots of like kind of like folky pop songs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, kind of just all over the place. I I had a bad habit of like starting projects and recording like some songs for them and then kind of just like forgetting about them and just like starting other projects that sounded completely different. I think at this point, I probably have lost count of how many just like side projects I've started Mm. and then I've just kind of ditched after recording like four or five songs for them. Would you say to an extent you still do that or do you think you're able to get more focused? Yeah, I definitely still do. (laughs) But do you you think you're more focused at all now? Um, Yeah, probably. Now that I'm just older, I kind of know my strengths and weaknesses, I guess, Mm -hmm. like, but I always like to dip off. Like I I don't try to like, I I get bored easily. So I kind of have to find fun ways to keep myself entertained. And it's just by like recording different types of music and messing around just like with different genres and stuff. And even delving into, uh, never shout, never covers. (laughs) Oh yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it's out there. Hey, we were all in middle school once. Yeah, no, I listened to like <laughs> terrible pop punk music too. Like everybody, everybody has their stuff. Everyone has their stuff. If you come on the podcast, I'll find your stuff. I'm sorry. Oh uh, yeah. In, in Bennett's case, I, I I knew his stuff a while. I just. Oh yeah, you know all the bad ones too. And the good ones. And I, the good ones. Like I, I I got favorite tracks off of your like 2013 solo releases, like. I know yeah, like, I'm trying to remember what was it? The, Second to last, right? That was mm, I don't remember that song. But I remember Yahweh. That's a nice song. Oh yeah. Named after Squidlet the one. the Yahweh Underground song. Yeah, Squidlet was a fun project. But Yeah, that took a long time to record too. Yeah. That took I think over like I think that was about two years it took to record. There's like twenty songs. Yeah, you were kinda that. like releasing them one by one at, yeah. at some point, but you finally just kind of packaged it together. Yeah, that was fun, yeah. Mm. And it's funny, apparently, my sister who goes to Shawnee Mission South, though, apparently that's, like, resurfaced at Shawnee Mission South. Like, apparently that's, like, a thing that, like, kids listen to on their computers. You're a legend. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of glad out of everything I've recorded, that's, that's the yeah. whole, that's the are you, one. Are you going to go back to give a, 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 a guest talk at, like, some some music class or, like, I'm you you are never, the success story. I'm never to step foot in that high school. Oh, you didn't you didn't have fun at Shawnee Mission South? No, I left actually. I, yeah, yeah, you did end up. And that is a topic I do want to get into at some point if okay. you're okay no, with that. Fine. No, but yeah, a lot of those songs were like kind of like you were really into waves at that point too, right? So it was like, like oh, yeah, a lot of like, like kind of garage, like surfy yeah, rock stuff. And like yeah, I still listen to stuff like that every now and again too. Yeah, the new like I listened to the new Waves album oh, that I just came too. out. So oh, I did too. And it, he he kind of got back into like he yeah, like he used to like do a lot of samples on the old stuff, and I think he yeah, kind of reintroduced say, it definitely that. Definitely sounds more more King of the Beachy than it did, kind of like Nirvana y. Mm. I don't think he's ever really released a bad album as Waves. So I'm, I wouldn't say that either. Yeah, I'm gonna keep listening, even though it's not like the main like genre i'm really into right now oh yeah same like i went and saw fiddler when they came like last I year i really wanted to i was out of town though mm. 
Yeah, I remember, like, I think there was, like, another band that you were super into, but, like, oh, you did end up seeing Merchandise when they came back, right? Yeah. Yeah. uh, That was, are you talking about the time, like, a couple weeks ago? Yeah, oh, were you at their show with Title Fight, too? I was not. I'm yeah. not sure if I was in Kansas City at the mm-hmm. point, but yeah, I remember like well, it was like two weeks ago, right? Yeah, yeah, that was that was that was awesome. Actually, there's only like 12 people there too. Which yeah, that was that was a bummer that there were like not that many people there. Yeah, I was worried because the night that was happening, actually, we were having nightcrawlers practice and we were trying to record some stuff. Mm-hmm. And when you're recording music, it's very easy to lose track of time. By yeah. the time we all kind of like were done, me and Jack looked at the time and we were like, oh shit. It's like, you know, like go, like Lawrence is like half an hour drive away. And we were like speeding down the highway there. And I was like, I realized I didn't like have any money either. I was like, oh man. And we got there and then like no one was running the door. And I saw this, I'm like, there, yeah, there's only like 12 people there. And so you just real, walked in? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of like tried to find someone to like, like Jack was going to like cover for me and we were like trying to kind of find someone to give our money to. And at that point everyone was kind of just like sitting around. <laughs> yeah. And there's only like 12 people there and merchandise was playing. So we kind of just like walked up and we're like right in front of the stage. Yeah. And was... we, we did show up late. And I think we only got like the last half of their set, but I think you missed like two or three songs. Like you, like it wasn't a super long set. So yeah, it was kind of weird. I was expecting. Yeah. They have like, I remember when we were walking records. down the street to the bottleneck, there were, probably three times more people watching this dude on like uh like a balance beam yeah the bus the busker fest was happening and i saw the most amazing thing i don't know if you you heard about this from anyone but like as i was walking to the venue i saw this man playing his acoustic guitar and singing a cover of scars by papa roach (laughs) and it was the most absolutely beautiful it was just gorgeous it was <laughs> no but yeah that was, that was a fun night and i had like burger stand that night too like i was i, was yeah, we, I wanted i wanted to try to hit up one of the, the food trucks that oh, were yeah. out on the bed they were like all closed though by the time the show was done so mm. i think me and jack ended up going to pyramid pizza do you, do you get into a lot of food truck stuff like in kansas I city i try to when i see them mm. What are, what are your what are your favorite ones to hit? Um, I don't really have favorites. I don't usually go food truck like hunting. Mm-hmm. Usually, it's more kind of like if I see it, like I'll get a feeling like, like I'll just that sounds really nice right now. Mm-hmm. I remember there was like this Euro stand that was across the street from my old house though that would set up on like Fridays and Saturday nights, and it was good sometimes. Yeah. Like, you go over sometimes, and you'd get one and be like, oh, yeah, this is really good. And some other times, you'd go over and get one and be like, it's not L- good. Luck of the draw. I don't, I don't remember, like, which, I think it was, like, for an actual, like, restaurant in Kansas City that they just had, like, the, the stand out and about sometimes, but it was definitely hit or miss. Mm. But um, I guess that kind of brings us to um, – another period in your life where because okay so we're playing in bad mouth together and then somewhat out of nowhere at least to us you disappeared and we had no clue what was going on for many months can you tell us about that yeah um 
Uh, well, I left Shawnee Mission South, and then I ended up, I started going to uh, Kansas City Academy, which is kind of like a really small, uh, artsy, like, private school in, like, Waldo. And I learned that when you're in a school with, like, 30 people, it's a lot easier to get in trouble because there's not a whole lot of kids to hide behind. Yeah. So basically, I got in some really big trouble there, and then I ended up getting shipped off to a wilderness program in Hawaii. And I pretty much lived in, like, a garden for, like, about three months and didn't probably didn't take a proper shower the entire time. And I had, like, two pairs of clothes, and I just, like, gardened and did a lot of, like, therapy, like, stuff there, which... Shout out to Pacific Quest. I actually really missed that place. I ended up really liking it. Hmm. But then after I left there, I went to a therapeutic boarding school in New Hampshire for a year. Uh, fuck you, Short Ridge Academy. <laughs> I did not like that place. And yeah, it's kind of hard to describe the the feelings of going to a place like that, being completely removed from, especially at like, uh, Pacific Quest, like you're pretty much completely removed from society, like, and you have like people, wa- like you have staff members like watching you all the time. You have like absolutely no privacy. Yeah, and you didn't have like access to the internet. No or- access to the internet. No access to like no no electronics like whatsoever. Mm. And then at boarding school, we got computers, which like ninety percent of the internet was like blocked. And I think the the first time I actually got contact with the outside world was I could download Spotify on my computer. Yeah, so you Spotify messaged I, Jack. I Spotify messaged Jack, <laughs> and I think I don't remember what I said exactly, but I was pretty much like, "I'm alive." Because <laughs> <laughs> because like your your parents or nobody have like really filled us in even like I think Jack might have known stuff and like. They I'm not told, quite sure. They vaguely told a handful of people, like, what happened. But, yeah. like, I think that almost kind of made it worse. I know. I'm trying to remember some of, like, the rumors that Jack... Because when, when I started, like, I figured out I could, like, message people on Spotify, which I never knew you could do that. I yeah. remember, like, the moment I actually, like, got a reply back, I was like... <laughs> cool. <laughs> I remember he was like, I'm like, well, what, what do, what do people think happened to me? He was like, oh, the, I think the biggest one is people think you died <laughs> and that your parents are just in denial about it. Um, there was one where people thought I like started doing a bunch of meth or something mm-hmm. and like, like was like, like left the state and was like, I, I don't know. There's, there was a bunch of weird rumors, but I was just like, yeah, they're, they're not that cool. I'm like, I'm. <laughs> Stuck at a boarding school. So, so then Jack came back and set the story straight for everyone. Yeah, the more or at the least more time just, I spent <laughs> there, the more like by the time you left, about only sixty percent of the internet was blocked. Mm. But I remember it was funny because started going to DIY shows like pretty much right before all that stuff happened, yeah. and then I was just like, no. And then Jack was like, dude. When I finally got a hold of him, he's like, "Do you need anything?" Like, blah blah blah. He's, I'm like, "I need Bandcamp links, man." <laughs> I'm like, "I need music to listen to," and then he would send me links. And then Bandcamp for like the first like three or four months I was at that school was blocked on the internet, mm. 
and I had to like fin- eventually I was able to finagle my way into letting them unblock it for me, but. I was like, I can't open any of these links. Like, the internet, like, here won't let me. And yeah. then he was like, oh, that sucks. And I'm like, can you just, like, email me all the MP3s? And he was like, do you know how long that's going to take? <laughs> he's like, do you know how long it takes to upload an MP3 onto an email? And he's like, and there's, like, a certain limit of how many you can, so I'm going to have to send you, like, a bajillion emails. And I was kind of just like, pretty please. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of stuff was he sending you? Um, well, he definitely started with a lot of just, like, Kansas City classics. I got... Um, the Dirty Work Baby 7-inch MP3s. I got uh, the New Cult demo. Um, and then, other than that, just, like, a lot of stuff that he really liked. I remember getting the Shithouse 7-inch by, uh, I think it's the Diapers. Mm. A lot of Eat the Life records. Yeah, a lot of Eat the Life records stuff. I'm trying to pinpoint stuff exactly. Um, Teenage Love is a Beautiful Thing 7-inch by Poor Choice. One of my all-time favorites. Mm. Um, yeah, and that record has like the like the tie-dyed cover. Yeah, yeah that one's cool. Um, what else? What else? Uh, Cafeteria Hysteria by Buff Shit. Oh yeah. Um, I remember after a while he did. He's like, I can't be doing this all the time. He's yeah. like, I'm literally on my computer just all the time on mm. my email sending MP3s so that I listened <laughs> to the hell out of all the stuff that he did send me. Mm. So that was a little bit of relief for you, I guess. Yeah, I, I felt like I had some contact with like my home and like mm. stuff that I wanted to be doing. So they they were like very strict on you know everyone who was there, right? Like oh a yeah, lot of- uh, you. Had to be within like I like eye distance of like a staff member who worked there like at all times, uh, like at night. Like we had these we had like these people called Securitas, which was like the name of like the security company, and like in your rooms and like the dorms, like every like fifteen minutes or so, like someone would walk in and like shine a flashlight around the room just to, like make sure that everyone was like still in bed and stuff. But there there were ways to kind of have fun. You d- they would like take trips to uh Portsmouth which is like this tiny little town in New Hampshire every now and again to like get like ice cream or something like every like month or so mm. they'd only take the kids who were behaving too the rest of the kids had to like stay back at the school and just like be jealous were you well behaved Bennett uh, <laughs> I, I fluctuated yeah. it, it's definitely it was definitely hard to stay sane there mm. at some points and how long were you there I was there for four days shy of a year wow and I remember you you had told me some story where like as a form of punishment people were forced to like write essays and stuff. Oh yeah, you'd get yellow folders which were kind of just like short like if you did something like kind of bad you like yeah, you wouldn't be able to go on trips and stuff and like every now and again we they'd have like uh, like breaks like 3 or 4 days where like your parents could come up and they could either just like hang out with you there at the school you could see your parents or they'd be able to like take you off and just like go wherever. I remember me and my parents went we'd hang out in Portsmouth, that little town for like some time. Um, me and my mom drove up to Boston for a few days one time. That was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, but like if you got like a yellow folder, did something like kinda bad, you'd get like three pages of just kind of like short little like really dumb questions like why did you do this thing you did? And, like, how did it make you feel? How do you think it made the people at the school make you feel? 
And then if you did something like really bad, like broke like a really bad rule, you'd get a red folder, and then you wouldn't be able to do shit for like, like a month, like months plural, like sometimes depending on like how bad it was. And then you'd have to write like essays like about those questions. Wow. And, and would would you say that like overall it was like in any way like a positive or helpful experience for you, or was it? Did you just kind of feel punished by it? I kind of feel I kind of felt punished by it. Mm. And the thing was they were really good at like first of all like the school like it wasn't cheap. Like either the kids who went there like their families had money or the like kids whose families like didn't have a whole lot of money, they were like scraping a lot of money together to send their kids there. And I remember, like, after, like, the first three or four months I was there, like, my parents kind of were like, yeah, maybe we should, like, take you out of here. This place kind of sucks. We kind of realized that now. Like, at the first time they visited, they were like, yeah, maybe we should just, like, let you leave. But I really wanted, at that point, I really was kind of dead set on graduating high school. And that's, like, really the only thing I wanted to do. I'm like, I'm, I've come this far. I might as well get my diploma. Mm-hmm. And I had been there for, like, three or four months at that point. And the school process moves a lot faster because like there's no like I mean like your breaks were only like three or four days long so you'd be doing school like every day besides the weekend so you'd rack up credits a lot faster than you would go into a public school Mm. but when uh was talking about leaving they told me that none of the credits I got there would have transferred to any other school that I would have gone to uh if I had moved back so I kind of was like stuck there Mm. I could have either just like left and had like wouldn't get my diploma or yeah, I just had to stay there. Mm-hmm. So I stayed there just to get my diploma pretty much. And yeah, but overall I would say no. I don't <laughs> So so when you touch back down in Kansas City, you're just like completely stoked. Or Oh yeah. Yeah. Also a little nervous too. Mm-hmm. I mean like I was kind of, like, wondering, like, how I would kind of integrate back into just, like, my normal life because, I mean, usually when, like, people move and stuff and blah, 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 like, you kind of have to integrate into, like, a new way of life. And it was weird because it kind of felt like a new way of life, but I also was kind of, like, this was my life, but it doesn't really feel like it was my life at the same time. And, yeah, I did meet some some cool people mm. yeah and you, you did get to record some music while you were there i did get to record some music while mm. i was there they did have the instruments and one of the uh like the dorm houses had like a drum set and like some really like shitty recording equipment there and yeah actually killicky cat was born at that board yeah that school. was originally like your your punk recording project while yeah you were there. that's like exactly what it was so then you just some some good came out of it, mm. and actually the bassist of Columbine Kids went to that school with me. He's originally from Boston, and then we were such good friends that I was like, "You should move to Kansas City. You can sleep on the couch in my room if you want to." Yeah, and then yeah, he did eventually. And I know he left for a while, but he's actually still back in Kansas City now. Mm. And um, yeah, so after that, um, you. You know, our our band had ended at that point, but um, what what were your next steps after that? Um, my my next steps after that coming back was to start like as many bands as I could, mm. and I felt like I did like a pretty good job of that. None of them like went 
too far, but there was definitely a lot of stuff to pick through. There was, yeah, Killicky Cat turned into a band. That was, like, the first thing that happened when I came back. And then uh, we started the Drippies with Noah Hayes, and then Columbine Kids, and then Narc Parade, and then I started making all the Gene tapes. And these are all coming out on, like, this band camp, like record label page you had called Hojo yeah. the Dragon. Oh no, that was okay, that was that was your solo stuff. Yeah, that or, was all but, like the solo but, stuff. But then you have uh K Crew. Yeah. Which, and that's where we like put the tapes out. And for a while we were selling tapes and then uh the house we were living at, like after a while like it started getting harder and more expensive to live there and then eventually the equipment we used to like record tapes like make our tapes like wasn't there anymore mm. and then like our band camp like order list started to like back up a lot and i had to send a lot of like sorry your tapes haven't came yet we're trying our best emails yeah. and then eventually i had to like refund a bunch of people's money mm. after they paid for tapes just because i was like i can't make these anymore yeah. but and there was a pretty good demand for them while while they were out there yeah for a while it was just kind of hard because uh it wasn't like people ordering just like a big number of, like, the same tape. It was people, like, usually most of the orders were, like, one of every single tape. That's what I wanted. <laughs> yeah. And, I th- yeah, like, yeah, after a while, like, trying, like, the amount of time it took to make a single tape for each different band and going to, like, the print store and having to, like, you couldn't just, like, put, like, the same, like, tape art on a, like, on a print and then cut them out. Like you had to do it like one by one, the certain art you had to, I had, I went there and I had to like resize all of them because like the formatting for like the Bandcamp page, like the art, like it wasn't the same as when you printed it out. It wasn't like the same size it was for the tape. Yeah. And after a while, yeah. And then after a while we actually lost our tape, like the person who had the tape duplicator moved out of the house. Mm. So then yeah, a lot of sorry emails and refunding people's money happen. Yeah. So, um, but most of those bands, you know, were, were like really well received from at least in Kansas City. You guys played plenty of shows and, um, oh, I know the Drippies is like kind of taking a break right now. Things have been kind of slow, but you did, you have gotten to tour with that band, right? Um, not so much tour, but played like kind of out of town. Mm-hmm. I know we, uh, we played in, we played in Chicago twice. We got to play in, uh. Fort Worth, Texas, the day before we played um, Badass Weekend, and we got to play Olympia Hardcore, and then we played a show in Seattle the day after that fest ended, and I believe that's it. Mm. And also Narc Parade actually played that show in Seattle the day after OHC happened, too. Did you mention the Texas dates you played? Fort Worth and Badass Okay, yeah. And and you did Chicago? Did you mention Chicago? Sorry, yeah, <laughs> man. I'm Played bad. Chicago twice. I remember. Yeah, I've uh, watched. I've watched several videos of like the shows. Like, yeah, it's funny. Fun. All the all the videos of Drippy's playing live were definitely not our best performance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, the show we played in Chicago the first time we were there was uh, the second time we played. And in true Drippy's fashion, we f- found out we were playing probably m- minutes before we did. Mm. And at that point, I don't think we had really practiced a whole lot. And, yeah, we definitely – I mean, it was fun. It was cool to, like, play out of town, but, like, we did not play well. <laughs> mm. What do you think some of your best shows have been if they, if it weren't some of those? 
Um, definitely um, at Olympia Hardcore was definitely a focal point of playing with the drippies. I We showed up and had, like, we didn't bring, like, any gear. We just had, like, instruments. And then a bunch of people ended up hooking us up with their gear. And I remember that was probably one of the best drippies performances that we've ever had. It's, like, a really good crowd or... Oh, yeah, yeah. like, it was... It could have gone as well as any show that we have played out of town, probably. Mm. That was definitely probably the most fun out of town show that Jerby's played. And it's funny, I think probably the best Killicky Cat performance ever was probably our first show, actually, because I remember we were practicing like three or four times a week for that band. And by the time that we eventually did play live for the first time, I believe it was at Gacy's place with health problems from Seattle. Mm. I, th- I think we had just practiced so much at that point. It was kind of just like second nature. And, uh, how, how would you, cause Kilky Cat, at least at that time, was the same lineup as the Drippies minus but Noah. Minus Noah. Yeah. So, how would you say the two bands kind of differed? Uh, well, Kilky Cat is definitely some like 80s, like Midwest hardcore worship type stuff. And Drippies, kind of, like, took a lot of influences from, like, 77 Punk, but it was also a lot more kind of, like, raw and rock and rollier. So, yeah, they didn't, neither, both those bands didn't sound, like, really anything alike besides the fact that it was just the same people playing the same instruments. Mm. And, um, so what plans do the Drippies have going forward? Like, what are the next steps there? Um... Well, we have, we've been working on trying to get a 7-inch out for a while, and we have a handful of new songs that we're probably we're going to record and put a tape out for. We're also still in the market for a drummer, too. <laughs> so if anyone... That, that's pretty much... I think that's one of the main reasons why the band kind of halted is because we're having a hard time finding a drummer. And so, yeah, if anyone is watching or listening... If you want to be the drummer in the drippies, hit me up. <laughs> In the comment section. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited to hear what the 7-inch is going to sound like. Well, you've shown me, like, some rough recordings of it. Like, it's not, Yeah, like, some, like, unmastered ones. Yeah, so those songs are really great. You And you've been playing some of those for a while now. Oh, yeah. And um, so you've also started some other bands recently that are about to start playing shows. I know... Tomorrow is the first show with Nightcrawlers. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's that been? Like, how long ago did you start working on that? Um, well, me and, me and Jack have had the idea for this band for a long time. Mm. And it just kind of... So me and Jack had, like, two or three songs that we had written. And we were like, oh, this sounds cool. We should, like, start, start a band around this. And we were trying to find someone who would... We'd, we would want to front it. And then we were both like, oh, Kayla would be a great great front person mm. for a band and uh i'm definitely excited for tomorrow because she's definitely has a lot of creative input for this band like visually at least mm. yeah she told me she was gonna be like kind of dressing up and oh yeah. yeah definitely definitely show up tomorrow yeah it'll be it'll be fun oh, this this won't be out like they will have played already but yeah any future nightcrawler show will be oh, yeah. fun to watch and listen to and uh, she does a lot of uh 
you know, visual art too, right? She's at the... Well, yeah, she, she's a great just, visual artist. Yeah, she just finished at the Art Institute, I think, or like at least for the semester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, so is she going to be doing like some of like the like the tape art and she stuff? Is, yeah. She is doing the tape art. Um, yeah, I think that's about as far as we've gone like mm. visually. I think we have ideas for like stuff we want to do in the future, but they're still kind of being talked about mm. just because like we haven't even finished recording our demo yet, but... What would you say her style is kind of like? Uh, I'm not too savvy on my art styles, yeah. but it's definitely cool. Yeah. It's definitely very, very good. Mm. And what would you say the band's kind of sound is similar to? Um, Definitely some, like, 70s, like, West Coast punk influence, but, and, like, a little, a little post-punky, but it's definitely, like like more intense like the songs are have definitely like a lot of energy to them mm. and it's kind of it's almost kind of hard to like pinpoint it because like as i've said me and jack have had like rough ideas for like the music of these songs for like eight-ish months at this point by now and they've definitely evolved now that we have like had solid members for a while now. Like Jake Strife, who plays in uh, drums and anti seed is our drummer now, and his drumming style definitely has influenced like the way the songs have gone. Mm-hmm. And even like just like Kayla's lyrics and like the effects she wants to use on her vocals too have definitely like it's definitely very unique. It's hard to like pinpoint. I think the best way I've described the band is if, like, suburban lawns fell into, like, a pool of radioactive sludge. I know uh, Kayla told me that because I did, like, a really quick phone interview with her the other day for my concert, like, Roundup on the Pitch, and she, she quoted you on that. <laughs> so uh, you're you're on there also saying that. <laughs> so, um, and you're playing guitar on this band? Uh, yes, I'm playing mm. guitar on this band. So I, most of the bands you do, like you're playing guitar, and is that because you're just like sitting around a lot, and you just end up writing like a lot of songs on your guitar? Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of songs, at least in the past, up until now with Nightcrawlers, um, have uh, yeah, just basically me and Jack have either been living together or we were staying at our parents' house for a while, and like our parents' houses are just down the street from each other so and definitely guitar is definitely like my main instrument and bass is his main instrument so yeah but i know you play like several different instruments so does yeah, playing play guitar get tired like do you get tired of playing guitar um and all your bands not really no? just because i like really love playing guitar but like i know like i play bass and hard leather and then that's definitely like a good switch up and we're kind of taking a break right now too, just because our drummer is traveling, but that band is super fun to play. In and I can't wait till our drummer gets back to mm. start writing some more songs. Yeah. I know M- Michaela is pretty bummed out that yeah. that band isn't happening right now. So Maybe. me and Michaela have been, are you cooking something? Up? Yeah. We're, we're scheming some stuff. That's good. Um, so you've also been doing a lot of work on new gene stuff lately, right? Yeah, uh, Gene is your a lot more work than I have in the past yeah. too. And Gene is your current uh, punk recording project. Yeah. Now that Kilky Cat's a full band. Yeah, you're... exactly. I had to. I definitely like working. I like. I love being in bands, but I also definitely love working by myself too. Just mm. with all the like hundred percent creative control. 
I'm definitely an introvert more than I am an extrovert. And I definitely, I mean, I love being in bands because it's just like a melding of different ideas and stuff. And that usually comes out with something great, but I definitely like to just be like a control freak with my own thing. Mm. But, um, yeah, this new gene stuff actually part of the stuff that me and Michaela is, are cooking up is she's actually going to be featured in one of the new gene songs. Nice. So, um, so what, what kind of sound does gene take on? Um, Gene has kind of taken on a bunch of different sounds, like, as the, the process of it has gone, like, forward, like, definitely, like, I made the first single just kind of out of, like, boredom, I think, or just, like, wanting to record something by myself, and I definitely, like, the first tape definitely was, like, recording quality-wise, I kind of, like, rushed through it, but, like, like, yeah, like, if you've heard it, it's, like, super, like, muddy and stuff. And there's definitely, like, way too much reverb on the vocals. But, yeah, Gene is definitely... I don't think any really Gene anything has sounded the same. Mm. And That's kind of the way I like it. And who, who is Gene named after? Gene is named after my <laughs> old landlord, who... Uh, me, Jack, and Joe, actually... And, and Noah for a little bit. We lived in this apartment uh, right off of Hyde Park. And he was just, like, this old like senile dude who yeah who like owned our apartment we rented it from him and when we first moved in uh one of the main reasons we moved in is because he told us that all the utilities were covered we just had to pay rent and we were like okay cool and then like fast forward eight months into the future and like our power should get shut off one day yeah and then we call him and we're like hey our, our power went off and then he was like oh like have you paid the electric bill? And we were kind of like, <laughs> have we paid, have you paid the electric <laughs> bill? Like, he's like, I, I never said I'd pay the electric bill. And we were like, well, then how did the power stay on for eight months? <laughs> so yeah. That so was, you guys were almost squatting. You're definitely squatting there. <laughs> At that point, I think we had kind of burnt that relationship with him. And before we moved out, yeah, we definitely stayed there for like a couple weeks after <laughs> the power went out just because we didn't have really place to go yet and we did we did kind of have power so one of our friends lived it was like a a, like a tiny little like one-story building and our apartment was right in the middle and then there was another apartment on the right side of ours and then another one on the left side and the apartment on the left side one of our friends lived there and after we had pretty much realized like our relationship with him had (laughs) that bridge had been burned uh Joe took it upon himself to <laughs> bust a hole in the wall into into our friend's apartment on the other side, and we ran an extension cord through the hole, and we had like a, like a power strip, and we were able to plug in our TV, uh, Joe's PS4, and like some Christmas lights and a space heater, and we were like, oh, "This is all we need That's until we move out." <laughs> so the essentials. I'd like to also reiterate this all happened in like December or January, I think mid January, I believe. So it was like 10 degrees out when this happened. So when we were all there, we were usually sitting on the couch with like this huge blanket wrapped around us and we were just like all huddled together <laughs> on the couch. And I remember because I think the day your power got shut off, you guys were supposed to play the show I set oh, up. Oh, yeah, at, at Mills. Mills. I think we did. And I think we mentioned something about that when we played. So, yeah, and you guys show up at, like, you're supposed to play first, but you show up at, like, 
oh, eight yeah, o'clock we really before late. it's about to end, and you're like, "Can we play now?" <laughs> and so I let you guys play because I'm a friendly guy, <laughs> and um, so it was it was a Koki Cat show, but you were like, "Hey, we're gonna play two songs with Koki Cat, two with the Drippies, and two with Narc Parade." And I'm like, "I haven't heard what Narc Parade sounds like, but okay." Oh, no, it was What's Columbine it? Kids. Yeah, it was Columbine. It was it was Columbine Kids when it was still just me and Austin. Yeah, it was a duo. And we had only written like two songs at that point, and we heard all of them. Yeah, and that the funny that band actually started in that apartment uh, with just me and Austin. And the first song we recorded, we actually used a drum machine, and it was like just a drum machine, just a guitar, and just Austin's vocals. Mm. So that's some some really rare uh, K Crew. Oh yeah. Uh, info for some the, of the rarest for the folks. I still kind of wish I had that first demo song, but apparent, uh, unfortunately, the laptop that I recorded on had gotten stolen. Oh man! And and you never posted that? Oh no, it, it was bad. <laughs> and, but I know for um, at least like one of the Genies, I know I think you had been into like a lot of like Northwest Indiana stuff at the time, so like it had like kind of a Coneheads CCT. Oh yeah, feel. I think definitely all the Gene stuff. I mean, it's definitely, like, I mean, it's just me, so definitely what I'm listening to at the time definitely shows through. Mm. So, kind of Devo core. Yeah, a I, little dude, bit. Man, people were up, like, I remember somebody wrote an article for, I don't even remember, it was, like, a national, like, alternative music, like, publication online, and someone wrote, like, a whole article about, like, Devo core and, like, the Coneheads and, like the Jimmy YouTube page and people were like, like some people got kind of upset about it. Like I know like it wasn't written like super well, but like it was kind of funny to see that on like this huge like Facebook page. And yeah, and I can kind of understand why people would feel that way because especially like punk and especially like DIY music, it's kind of like it's the kind of attitude behind it is kind of like, it's for the people who are like really into it and I don't know, kind of like being picked apart by like different people who aren't completely savvy with it. I don't, I don't know. Definitely kind of rubs the wrong way with some people. But are, are you going to be upset if I end up writing for noisy? <laughs> Maybe a little bit, but I don't think I could ever hate oh, you. Aaron. Okay. Wow. So y- you might dislike me, but you won't hate me. I don't think I'd dislike <laughs> you. I'd just kind of be like, Oh, Aaron, <laughs> Okay, I, I might I might be able to deal with that, so uh, I'll I'll I'll, I'll shoot you a link one in the first article. So. <laughs> Hire me, please. But I, de- I definitely know that some people are completely okay with that, though, too. Yeah, it's de- definitely kind of like friendly people, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're you're you're, you're, you you're a very friendly guy, Bennett. Um. So yeah, you you have new jeans stuff that's about to come out. So, um, I guess for a hint, what have you been listening to lately? <laughs> Ooh, what have I been listening to lately? I think I remember I just I just showed up here. I was at work all day today and I just showed up here and I was uh definitely listening to like a lot of eighties Midwestern hardcore today. I think I listened to the Cows and Beer EP by Decroitson like mm. eight times today while I was at work. Um I, I listened to the uh I think the acceptance EP by Mexmensch a bunch today too. Um, and I know some of that like 
80s Midwestern stuff kind of influenced, like, some of your Kill Cat stuff also. So yeah. that's kind of a like a, a little niche that you kind of keep coming back to. So yeah, one. definitely. And it's kind of just like, I don't know, like, we're a Midwestern band, like, mid- Midwestern hardcore, like, yeah. It's definitely, like, the, so- the soft spot. It hits the soft mm-hmm. spot, you know. Is, is there, like, anything that people always kind of end up, like, talking to you about when you tour out of state? Like, they're like, oh, do you know these bands? Or, like, are you really stoked about these bands? Uh, people definitely, even now that they're not a band, I, every time I've gone out of town and I've said it from Kansas City, it usually dirty work pops yeah. into a conversation, like, pr- almost 100% of the time, which, like, is totally understandable because that band was amazing. Yeah, that was one of the last, like, super popping bands out of the Kansas City punk scene. Yeah, definitely. I remember I did show back up in KC just in time to see New Colts last show, too, which I was very, very excited for. Yeah, that band. Like, those are kind of, like, kind of sister bands to an extent. Yeah, definitely. And, like, part, like, one of the things that I was, like, really bummed out when I, like, moved back here is, like, all the bands I had been listening to at boarding school by the time I had came back had were, like, were not bands anymore. Mm. So it's kind of just like, oh, well... There might have even been some shit. that, like, started and ended before you came back. Yeah, like, de- definitely. <laughs> like, maybe, like, Night Moves. Or, did you ever catch, like, Night Moves? No. Oof. That, that might have even actually been, like, slightly before you were coming to shows with me, but... Maybe. But that, that was a really fun band to watch. So, yeah, and I've always kind of enjoyed the dynamic that Trey and Trevor had, like, because they were both doing Dirty Work and Nuke Colt at the yeah. same time, and then they were doing Deacons and Beta Boys at the same time. Yeah. And so seeing all four of those bands whenever they would play were was just, like, really exciting for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I did actually get to see three-fourths of original Dirty Work, like, and uh, at Badass Weekend, when the Deacons were playing, mm-hmm. it was uh, Trey, uh, Barrett, Davey, and... I think Matt Perrin was Yeah, the Matt Perrin was the drummer. So it was everyone besides uh, Steve, <laughs> which, I, I mean, it's not really dirty work without Steve, but, like, it was still very cool to mm-hmm. see most of the original dirty work play a few songs. I was just like, yeah. it definitely filled a little spot in my heart that I missed never getting to see Dirty Work actually play live. Mm. And speaking of Steve, though, now that he's in, like, Seattle, he he, he, started, he sings Boyd. in that band United yeah. Boyd, and that band is badass. Yeah, they're really good. And he sings in that band. Like, I remember, like, he had wanted to sing in a band for, like, a long time, and that finally happened, and I hope they tour here at some point. That would be too. a lot of fun to see. And also, speaking of Steve, did you see... Steve class. Steve class? No, I didn't. No, like, Neil couldn't make it to a no class show one time at Worst House, and Steve knew all the words and sang the whole set oh with them. Oh, my gosh, that sounds awesome. And it was the best thing. <laughs> I was, I also was very excited to see uh, Dark Ages and No Classes oh, last yeah, show. Yeah, that was, That was like, amazing. Was like that the was the end of an era. That was, that was an amazing show. Like, those are, like, two of the first, like, super important, like, Kansas City bands oh, for yeah. me, too. Because... Yeah, like, Dark Ages is a no-class, and then Straight Edge, band-wise, like, kicked in Sir Excuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then came, like, Dirty Work and Nuke Cult. Like, so, like all those bands are, like, super important to everyone who's, like, involved in Kansas City Punk yeah, right yeah. now, I think. Yeah, and it was definitely, it definitely was very, very, very 
I was very grateful to be able to see them, especially like their last show too. Mm. It definitely was made me feel like a part of something that I wanted to had gotten into but had missed uh, not being in Kansas City at the time. Yeah. And um, so... <laughs> what? So you're, you're getting ready to release the Gene tape? Like it's, it's going to be a new cassette tape that you're doing? Um, I'm going to try to get it out on a 7-inch. Oh, I yeah. might put out like two of the songs. There's going to be five songs on it. I mm-hmm. might put out two of the songs as like a promo tape. And then, yeah, I'm going to bother a bunch of people until someone yeah. puts it out gonna on a 7. Sh- shoot out a lot of emails. And yeah. What, De- what, definitely what labels, be annoying. What labels are you really excited about right now that are like doing like DIY punk and stuff? Uh, definitely Neck Chop. They've put out, uh, well, I think they put out the After Dark 7 for Beta Boys. And yeah. they put out the, uh, the Bleeding Gum 7. Um. One of my favorite bands, uh, SBF, I think, has put out both their seven inches on Drunken Sailor, which I like a l- most. Most of the stuff they put out, I really enjoy. Um, yeah, but but Bleeding Gums are like a really awesome band, and yeah, they're like, great. It's all younger people from Chicago, and like they always kind of end up hanging out with like all the Kansas City, like the younger yeah. Kansas City people when they come out. So. Yeah. Those guys are a lot of fun. They're all they're all great people, definitely. Can't wait till you're all back. Yeah, and they and they all like a bunch of them playing Cohete too, and that band. Great band. band. They're just here for Wayne's World Fest. And you were you were at most of those shows, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. What, what were fest. what were some of your favorite moments of Wayne's World? Oh, uh, definitely Mace. Uh, obviously Bleeding Gums and Cohete. Mm-hmm. Um. It's the first time I've ever seen Nancy live, too, which was awesome. Yeah, that, uh, everybody was very excited about that. Um, who else? Almost too many to name. Yeah. Oh, and It's also kind of remember, it's hard to kind of remember a lot of that fest. Yeah, there were like 30 or so bands, too. And there's a lot of alcohol, too. It was. <laughs> being, being at the Blind Tiger, I'm yeah. sure It, it definitely was a great time, though. Mm. Oh, and when Mace covered Limp Biscuit, yeah, <laughs> that was my favorite moment of the whole fest. It was like the first day at five o'clock, and I'm like, "This is it. It's over. This is the fest." So shout out to the folks in Mace because that was that a lot was, of fun. That was beautiful. Beautiful. Um. So, yeah. What else? Um. Are Are you just working on? Is Are you mostly focused on like Nightcrawlers and Gene right now? Uh, definitely. Uh, now that Killicky Cat's back together, we've been practicing a bunch for that too. It's kind of funny. We're like trying to relearn all the songs because like all of us definitely like forgot big handfuls of the songs. Thankfully, most of us have remembered the parts that everyone else has forgotten though. Mm -hmm. So it was like, do any of you remember like the second part to this song? And then someone would be like, it's always funny when Joe is the one who remembers. He was like, I know I remember. It went like, and he like doesn't. He plays drums. He doesn't yeah. play like a stringed instrument. So he just has to like hum it, and then we'll like try to figure it out. But it's actually helped us like relearn some of the songs too. And we are actually working on some new songs too. So mainly, uh, yeah, mainly Nightcrawlers, uh, Gene, and all the kill- old Killicky Cat stuff, plus some new stuff and. Once again, if anyone wants to play drums in the drippies, hit me up. <laughs> and 
So, so a lot, that's like kind of a lot to be doing at one time. Like, do you find yourself like just kind of generally multitasking a lot of stuff? Yeah, I get bored really easily, and if I do just one thing for a long time, I definitely start to lose my mind a little bit, and I need to kind of keep myself on my toes a little bit, or otherwise I'll just kind of get in like a slump. Mm. I guess. Do you see yourself like expanding to like any bands like outside of punk in the future, and, and like? trying to do anything like any more professionally or um i'm definitely not gonna like take it out of the equation but for right now i'm definitely very happy with where i am right now Mm. not gonna and i'm also like i'm 20 so like i I definitely have a lot more time ahead of me to figure out stuff like that too Mm. but kind of like where you're settled in right now creatively yeah definitely that's good and I feel like right now, especially, I think I have like the perfect balance of stuff that I'm working on, like enough where I'm like psyched on everything that I'm doing, but also like not too much where it's overwhelming and not too little where I'm kind of just like losing my mind, wishing I was doing something new too. Yeah. And even if you are doing like three or four projects, like somewhat actively right now, it's good that you don't feel overwhelmed by it. Cause like, you yeah, meet, I've you, de- definitely have felt overwhelmed mm. in the past. So yeah, because you you meet some people and they're playing in like two or three bands, but they take them pretty seriously. So they're just like exhausted all the yeah. time, and that they'll end up like saying no to like cool shows because they're just like so like beat. Yeah, they're just. And I can definitely yeah. understand that too. I remember we had a drippy show like two days after Wayne's World. And I remember me and Jack were just, like, not excited about it at all. We were mm-hmm. just, like, we haven't slept in, like, four days. Yeah. I think in, like, the four days, like, since the fest started to that show, we both of us had probably gotten, like, a total of, like, 11 or 12 hours of sleep. And, yeah, we had, like, a show two days after that. And me and Jack were just, like, okay, we're probably going to just leave right after we play. Yeah. And summer, summertime just kind of sounds like... Like... <laughs> Yeah, we didn't even. I, we can play that song. We play, I remember we played like all the short, really fast, drippy songs because yeah, we definitely have. Yeah, needed definitely needed to wake up. And also, we had just a fill-in drummer at the time too, so we were like, yeah, we'll just teach you all the easy songs. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, there, like, I kind of want to discuss it with you because, like, I feel like you've been somewhat kind of like neutral or at least like really friendly about like, some of the, like, tension that's kind of been happening lately, but, like, at least, like, on Facebook, you know, a bunch of people lately have been talking about, like, oh, Kansas City Punk needs to do this or that or, like, no, it doesn't, shut up, or just, like, someone taking, like, a neutral stance. But, like, what is your kind of perspective on where, like, DIY music in Kansas City is at right now? Um, I definitely think in like, especially just in like the last couple of weeks, like it's definitely gotten a lot better. And I do know that myself and people who are kind of on different sides of the spectrums, like shows need to be like at places like this. And then other people are like, well, there haven't been a whole lot of places like this, blah, blah, blah. We're just going to have them here. Uh, me, myself personally, and people who are, have been on different spectrums actually have met up recently and have kind of been like working to, like, be more just kind of, like, cohesive and, like, definitely we talked about, like, 
it's hard to like have like a cool music scene when like no one's really like communicating with each other or like trying to help each other do like cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Like everyone's it's like it's not it's not good to be arguing yeah. with each other all the time. And to clarify, it's been between people who like are booking shows at bars and like really want to have like, yeah. DIY all ages house shows. Yeah. And and to an extent the bar shows are DIY, but so Yeah. That's the kind of the argument there. But so you you, you met up with a bunch of people and what what were the dis- discussions kind of like? Um the discussions were kind of it started out with kind of just like making sure everyone knew like why what kind of like stance they had and why they had it just kind of like getting an understanding of how the other person felt which I think was good because there's a lot of things that people who are on one side of the spectrum like weren't aware of like how like difficult one or the other was and then like the rest of the conversation was like how can we like work together to like have like a good equal balance and I think even just like in the last couple of weeks like there are still, like, a handful of shows at the bar, which are, like, I have nothing against the bar shows, like, really, besides the fact that, like, it just sucks that, like, like, under, like, the 21 plus thing, and, but, like, I think even now, like, the amount of shows that are popping up at DIY DIY spaces just, like, within, like, the last two or three weeks, I think, it's it's cool to see, like, kind of, like, how fast the process has moved Mm. a little bit. Were there any, like, specific, like, goals or strategies that kind of got laid out between everyone? Um, Definitely. A lot of the people who were more, like, in favor of the bar show were people who had actually, a long time ago, like, were running just, like, DIY spaces. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons, like, like, the bar was just, like, a little bit more, like, convenient, a little bit, like, less stressful. And, but it's nice. We've been getting, like, helpful like tips and hints about like how to like keep a DIY space going as for as like as long as it can and like how to get around like noise and stuff and like what you want to like make sure that like everything you have ready before you do throw a show at a space especially if you're like booking it so yeah definitely actually communicating with each other instead of arguing with each other on the internet has definitely helped Mm -hmm. which i think has been really cool to see happen especially as fast as it Mm -hmm. has happened what do you think some of like the most like important like qualities of like diy music spaces is to yourself like what kind of like like have those have like really positive impacts on you as like a musician or a music fan like personally um in my opinion, probably the most important like facet of having like a good DIY show is kind of just like the inclusiveness. It's just like don't like you shouldn't be ostracizing people from coming if they want to, and you should really only be not welcoming towards people who are coming to shows if they give you a very good reason not to be. Mm-hmm. Like if they're like being abusive or making people at shows uncomfortable and just like, you know, just like kind of like basic stuff like that. Just like making sure that like everyone is having a good time. And if you're not 
if you're doing something that is hindering that, that's kind of when it's like it gets to the point where if you're still going to come to shows, like expect to not feel welcome if you're making other people uncomfortable. Would you say you've you've felt pretty welcome by Kansas City? I feel like I have definitely felt very welcomed, and I feel especially being a young person going to shows too. Like the amount of welcomeness I have felt since I've started coming to shows has I'm very grateful for it, and I'm very grateful for the friends, especially the friends I've made that are like way older than I am, like ten plus years older than I am. I think it's definitely makes me feel really like welcomed which i think is kind of the most important thing if like you want to come to a show is like just kind of like feeling like like part of going to a punk show is like you want to feel like like you're at home to a certain extent because i remember that first show that we went to uh but with bad mouth like at that day drinker and shapeshifter and neutron rats i remember just like i I'm like, I'm like, I'm home. Like, that's kind of just the best way I can kind of describe it. That's, that's awesome to hear. Um, is there anything else you think we should uh, touch on? Like, anything else you've been working on or anything, like, you've seen in Kansas City that you think people should be excited about? Um, Natural Man and what, the Whatever Band. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's one of my favorite new... Casey projects as of as of uh, recent, definitely check that band out. Mm. And they should have a demo out pretty soon. And I know they recorded; they both recorded with James Rumsey, and uh, he recorded the Unforgiven Five. Uh, oh yeah, demo that's too. Yeah. Have you have you have oh, you seen them yet? Oh yeah, a yeah. couple of times. And I know that uh, they just released that uh, like that single kind yeah. of like the other day and. I was really hoping it would be that song, yeah, too. Yeah, because that's, that's... That's definitely my favorite song that they play live so far. Yeah, that just kind of... That one just really knocks you out, I think. I'm very excited to yeah. see them. Like, on yeah, Unforgiven 5, uh, BBI, like, KC, kind of St. Louis, like, melding their Natural Man, uh, Anti-Seed, like, just, like, the newer bands. Like, it's... It's cool to see all the new bands kind of popping up in KC, too. Yeah, it did kind of feel like almost like a drought for a short time because I'm probably going to sound corny, like, bringing up this, like, I kind of called it, like, the exodus (laughs) of, like, you know, a a handful plus of, like, Kansas City punks moving to Olympia and Seattle, so... Was did you feel at all like kind of discouraged when all those I mean, guys yeah, left? I mean, definitely. I think there was definitely a different feeling in the air. Like, and I think it definitely did a number on like how everyone kind of went about things for a while. But I feel like, especially now that summer started, things have really been starting to pick up, which I think is awesome. Yeah, we have all these new bands. We have new DIY spots, and yeah, and the people there were a great handful of people that were keeping things going like during that little draughty period, mm-hmm. which was still really awesome. So yeah. shout out to all of them. Yeah, shout out. You know who you are. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that's most of what I want to cover. Uh, I appreciate you coming out here and talking with me about it, Bennett. Oh, my and pleasure, Aaron. everyone should be looking out for 
uh, new stuff. The the Nightcrawlers demo coming soon. Hopefully a, a Jean 7-inch and a Drippy 7-inch. And more shows from Kilky Cat. Um, just as a reminder, you can go to shuttlecockmusic.com and read everything on there and listen to the other podcasts. We had one with Antonio Marquez from Spine uh, a couple weeks ago, so punk and hardcore fans can check that one out. And there's also the Shuttlecock Music Store, where there's t-shirts, zines, and buttons. And the podcast is part of the A to D podcast feed, so look for new episodes from Jason Barr coming soon. And yeah, I appreciate you coming out here. I think we had a, a good interview. No problem. Oh, man, we're, we're bringing it in. Mm. <laughs>